When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is the Dan Grosser Show on 98.7 ESPN. While we left you, not only is Garrett Cole's night done, so is Aaron Boone's. Because after Cole proceeded to give up his latest bomb, this one a three-run jack to Alex Verdugo to tie the game at four, he was mouthing with the home plate umpire, got tossed in between innings. Aaron Boone comes out to protect his player. He also gets tossed. So can you imagine if Judge hits a home run tonight, the Yankee manager is not even going to be on the field to be able to see it happen. He's going to have to watch it from his office. <laughs> That's a, See, they're showing the replay. That was a ball. That was low. The pitch right before, the, I think it was the pitch right before the Verdugo home run. I thought it was just below the knees. It didn't hit the little box that they put on there for the strike zone kind of thing on the the TV presentation. I think it was a good call. Close, but a good call. But that still doesn't justify, you know what, go out there and make a pitch. Nothing says you can't actually go out there and get the guy out yourself, especially when you're getting paid all that money. But he decided to give up a three-run home run. Yanks got pitching problems, folks. They got problems. Um, 800-919-3776. Let's go back to the phones. Jason and Mineola up next here on 98.7. Jason, good evening. How are you? How you doing, buddy? What's up, Jay? Hey, I just want to say, Cole, man, uh, that dude has not been the same since that spider attack incident. Nope. No, he hasn't. Nope, nope, nope. And, I mean, like, look, and, uh, and, and we thought about this, right? I mean, at the time, and you didn't want to believe it, but the longer this goes on, the possibility, I think, grows even louder that we might be talking about a guy that the Yankees gave $324 million to that doesn't exist anymore. Is that possible? It's leading towards that quite a bit. You know, they thought they were giving that money to Houston Garrett Cole. Instead, after spider Tech, like you said, he ain't that guy. Now it's going to have to be a new version of Garrett Cole for the remainder of his Yankee tenure, and I don't know if he's ever going to reach those heights. I mean, look, I know he's going to have double-digit strikeout games. I know that he's going to look dominant at times, but if you're really talking about one of the two or three best pitchers in the league, and I know he was a Cy Young finalist last year, but still, the game that mattered the most up in Fenway Park in the wildcard round, they hit him around like a pinata. I don't care about his hamstring. I don't care if he wasn't healthy, whatever. And this year, he has not been a stopper. And the Yankees got to be concerned he's about that. He's not an ace. Nope. He's not being not an a, ace. Well, uh, you know what? He's an ace, but not the ace ace, that upper echelon ace. You're talking about that rarefied. He's not DeGrom. He's not Scherzer. He's not Justin Verlander. He's not, you know, throw out every a, any other top flight pitcher yet you have in baseball. He's not that guy. He might be in the notch below now, which isn't bad. But if you don't have anything else in your rotation that is even at that caliber, that's where you run into issues. Big issues. Thanks, for Jason. My call, thanks man. for the phone call, brother. I appreciate you. And you can't look. You can't do anything now. This is what you have to ride with the rest of the way. He's your guy. 
You know when you buy something like stores that you know that you keep your receipt, the store gives either like 30 days or 60 days to return it or whatever? The 60 days is up on Garrett Cole. You can't give it back. You can't get your money back. You're stuck with him. You two are married till death do you part. And how many more years on that contract? Now think about that, by the way, Yankee fans. Think about that. If Aaron Judge is wearing a different uniform on opening day next year. If Judge is playing for, you know, San Francisco, the Mets, Boston, whoever. Judge is wearing a different uniform, and the Yankees are going to cry poor and say that, well, we just, you know, we couldn't meet his price. Or if if another team just completely blows him out of the water financially, you're going to look at that Yankee payroll as it currently exists and say, hmm, we're paying Garrett Cole 324, but we didn't have enough money left over to bring back the franchise icon. Not saying it's going to happen, but it might. Jason up next. He's in Westchester, 98.7 ESPN. Jason, how are you tonight? I'm good, Dan. How are you, sir? Jay, I'm doing outstanding. Tell me what's on your mind. Well, um, I was listening to a caller call earlier, excuse me, and yep. he was, you know, getting on what Zach does in his private life and his character and all of that. And I think I can speak for all Jeff fans. We right now don't, do not care about that. The question that Jeff says, what we need to be asking is, what's going on with our defense? Because our head coach, I'll give him a pass on being a new coach, but small background is defense. Our defense doesn't look like it's that great. You know, when we had Max Ryan, our defense, we had Max Sanchez, mm-hmm. but we voted to the AFC Championship with a good defense. He has to make that defense play. Mm-hmm. I mean, the Browns should have never scored 30 points against us. And we got lucky. Everybody's talking about Flacco, put him into place. It was a blown coverage. I could have made that pass. And we got lucky with an onside kick, guys. Flacco is not the answer. That defense got to play tough and let Zach play with some talent and see what we have and get off the bandwagon. You know, let's get that defense. Let's, what's going on with Salah's defense? I want to know what's going on with that. Well, right now, it looks like we can't stop a nosebleed. The defense, and Jason, you're not wrong. You're not wrong at all, and I thank you for the phone call. Let's look at the defense here. Week one, I thought they stopped the run very well. They kept Lamar Jackson in check for the most part, at least when it came to him rushing the football. And they kept Baltimore's ground game in check. Baltimore has been the top rushing team in football for the last three years. And the Jets held them to, I think, like 60-something yards rushing. Now, they gave up a few explosive plays in the passing game, and that was their undoing. And they didn't get a lot going offensively to be able to match those, those touchdowns. All right, that's week one. Week two, you knew that it was going to be a physical game. Cleveland, again, very, very, very physical running team. And over the course of 60 minutes and four quarters, they wore the Jets out on the ground. I, I talked to some guys on that team the other day. To a man, they admitted that by the time the fourth quarter rolled around, you know what, it was... Not to say that they were shot, but they, you know, they were feeling it a little bit. Cleveland essentially iced the game. They did everything but iced the game. That's what you, When you have a two-headed monster that the Browns employ with Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt, you keep using those guys for the first three quarters, and it's like you, you, you take an axe and you keep chopping down a tree. And then by the fourth quarter, that tree is ready to fall. And in this case, the tree is the defense. And then hopefully you break a couple of big runs and you put the game on ice. Cleveland 
did everything but that because of the way the game uh, shaped up there in those last two minutes. They need to get a pass rush. That's the one area right now that I would say is concerning the most with the Jets. They've got to get a pass rush. And they'll even admit that as well. Because the Jets are not a heavy blitz team. You know, by comparison, the Giants. Wink Martindale, the guy blitz is coming off the bus as a defensive coordinator. And he doesn't even have his full complement of players yet, right? But Wink Martindale's defenses, they blitz till the cows come home. That's how they manufacture pressure, which means you're going to leave maybe some guys on an island in one-on-one coverage in the back end, so you ask them to do their job. Jets, it's the other way around. Jets are a rush-four team. They rush their front four defensive linemen, and they're reliant on those guys to apply the pressure on the quarterback. So then you have seven guys in coverage, essentially, and the goal is to take away the passing lanes. But if the guys up front, the front four, aren't getting home, then you're asking your guys in the back end to do a little bit more. They haven't done their job as of yet in terms of that defensive line. they got to get more pressure. Carl Lawson's the guy who's supposed to be the best pass rusher on this team, right? Carl Lawson, what does he have, like a half a sack or something like that? I think he had one um, last week. Carl Lawson is coming off of an Achilles injury. You talk to guys who have had that injury in their careers, even though they've come back, let's say, the next season, it still takes them a year after to fully feel like themselves again, to have that burst, to have that speed. And I think that you're seeing that from him a little bit. He doesn't have that. He don't have that same burst yet that we saw in training camp in, let's say, 2021 when he was beating everybody like a drum, including Mekhi Becton. And that's what the injury will do to you. But he'll get there. You know, Jermaine Johnson, they drafted him to be a terror off the edge. He's only got two games of experience under his belt. He'll get there. You know, the guys on the inside, pressure in the pocket, they've got options. I'm not totally concerned yet about the pass rush. It's only two games. Now, if they don't sniff Joe Burrow on Sunday, given how awful the the Bengals' offensive line has been for the first two weeks, then I think we can have another heart-to-heart conversation next week about what's the state of the pass rush, because then we might have to. Let's say hi to Mike. He's in East Meadow. He's up next here on 98.7 ESPN. Michael, how are we doing tonight? All good, man. All good. First time, long time. Big fan. Thank you, Michael. What's going on? All right. So I, I completely agree with what you were just saying. Uh, you know, obviously last week, I think a couple of guys, you know, obviously they got lucky, you know, coming into this week, though. I think there's a couple of guys that need to step up and it starts right with the tight end. Conklin, Uzla, Rucker, these guys need to be there for Flacco. They need to be a support blanket. They didn't really do it in Cleveland. And I think this is these are the guys who are going to step up. The Jets offense is going to be successful. With Lacko, and then once Wilson comes back, those are the guys he's going to rely on. Uzma, Conklin, need to step up. I, Mike, I, I agree with you, and I thank you for the phone call. And I'll tell you what, the tight end position is something that we were all excited about before the year, right? Like you looked at these guys, all new, right? C.J. Uzama comes from the Bengals. And by the way, he is going to play this week. Remember, he missed last game because of a hamstring injury. There was no way he was sitting this one out. He said he have to cut my leg off for him to miss a game against his old team. He'll be out there. Conklin, who, you know, has been a target, he's been open, but he hasn't held on to the ball. He's had a couple of fumbles, a couple of dropsies. You know, and he said after the game the other night, you know, after the game last week, he said, I'll I'll clean that up. And he's got to clean it up. You can't be giving the ball away and giving it to the other team. That's that's not winning football. And Ruckert's a guy, he's still finding his way. 
Right? They threw him a pass. He was active last week. They threw him a pass, dropped it. He's finding his way. It is a big jump, even from Ohio State in the Big Ten to the NFL. He'll get there, though. He'll get there. 800-919-3776. Let's say hi to Brian in Queens. He's up next. Brian, how are you? Hey, how's it going, pal? Uh, I called you three weeks ago tonight. I came right home from work. and uh, You, you remember too, that, too Brian? Sure Actually, young... three weeks I, to the I, I day, do. huh? It's the same routine on Friday nights, so I uh, usually <laughs> listen to you on my way home. Nice. <laughs> um, and you were really freaking about, out about the Yanks and a couple calls beforehand, and I told you, you just got to relax. It's a slump, and you just got to relax. And you said um, that I, ca- I called them. I still think they're a championship team, at, you know, three weeks ago. Mm-hmm. And uh, you, you thought I was crazy. I just wanted to know if, you, if your mind has changed at all and if, if you, in fact, have relaxed about it a little bit. Not really. I don't think they're a championship team because especially now what we were just talking about a little while ago about the starting pitching and the fact that Garrett Cole can't keep the damn ball in the yard. You know what I'm saying? Like, there's still – I'm not thrilled with the bullpen the way it is right now. I don't know if anybody has a role in the bullpen. We were playing some audio the other day of Aaron Boone. I think it was when he was on the K show. And he was asked specifically about the relievers and this guy and that, you know, who's the closer going to be. And he went out there and named about like six or seven different guys. And I liken that to when a football coach says, oh, we have two quarterbacks. Well, when you say you have two quarterbacks, that means you don't have one quarterback. And that's what I kind of think Boone was alluding to with his relievers. I don't know deep down if he trusts any of them to get the biggest outs needed, especially come postseason time. I, 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 could, I could definitely agree with that. Um, I, me personally, I just think – you know, judge with the race, it's it's already a playoff atmosphere. You saw the game last night. I think it's going to carry them through. Am I, am I saying they're going to win a championship? I do have confidence in it. But uh, I, I do think that at that time three weeks ago, we were, we were all freaking out. And I think they're gaining a lot of momentum right now. And hopefully they can pull it off tonight. Well, though, I mean, here's the thing, though, my, or Brian. They're going to go to the playoffs. I mean, they're in the playoffs. They're going to win the division. The they'll, they'll, no doubt about it. And thank you for the phone call. You get back to us. Here's the thing. It's about what happens when they get there because Yankee fans, they're tired of just making the playoffs. They are. I mean, I know that sounds jaded, but they're tired of just making the playoffs. They want to win. Yankees want to win. Yankees haven't been to a World Series in, what, 13 years? And, yeah, they're gaining some momentum, but, like, who are they gaining momentum against? What, because they won a couple of games against the Pirates? Because they beat the Red Sox last night? In case you haven't looked, the Red Sox are in last place. Red Sox stink this year. Right? It's not that we're saying the Yankees are a bad team. They are a a very worthy division championship team. But are they a World Series championship contender? I don't think so. They're not the team that I would pin right now to come out of the American League. That would be the Houston Astros. And there's a couple of other teams right now that I think would go into the playoffs maybe a little bit more dangerous than them. That have better pitching. Tampa, Cleveland's pitching. Yanks got some things to sort out over the next couple of weeks. And look, from a winning a championship sense, right, the faster they get past this judge thing, I think the better everybody will be, really. Because it's one thing for you and I to talk about it, and we've spent you know countless hours talking about judge and home run watch and the record and all those things. But at the end of the day, it's still about winning games as a team, winning a championship as a team. Finish with the 62, 
get the record, and then go back to worrying about playing baseball and making sure that you're in the best position possible once October rolls around. Because if you don't win a championship and you're an early exit from the playoffs this year, who the hell cares what Judge did? Who cares? Especially if he's going to be wearing a different uniform next year. Think about that. That's the trifecta. Judge sets the record. Yankees are bounced early in the playoffs, and then Judge leaves in free agency to go sign with somebody else. How are you going to feel about that as a Yankee fan? you going to get all warm and fuzzy inside that he set the record when he's hitting home runs next year for some other team in San Francisco, maybe? We come back, we'll go around the league. Jordan Renan to join us still to talk a little Giants. We go till 10. Dan Gross' show, 98.7 ESPN. You're listening to the best of ESPN New York tonight. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. Now, let's talk about the play of the week. The pressure to follow up Hypnotic and Cognac, weighing heavy on the team. Hypnotic was in the cup, blue, and ready for the play. And boom! Añejo Tequila came in with a smooth assist to Hypnotic's tropical fruit finish. Shaken, strained, poured. It was green and good! Splash shifted the tempo. Another great cocktail from the Hypnotic team. Every season is Hypnotic and Tequila season. Hypnotic Liqueur, Bardstown, Kentucky, 17% alcohol by volume. Hypnotic reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely. Judge is on deck right now in the bottom of the seventh inning with the Yanks and Sox tied at four. So as soon as he comes to bat, we'll let you know what is happening. But we'll also do our NFL picks before the hour is through need a big bounce back here for week three but let's go around the league here real quick and get you everything you need to know for the slate of games kansas city 2-0 visiting the colts looking for their first win they're 0-1-1 don't sleep on the chiefs you know people that did shame on you mahomes is still mahomes but he's only thrown one touchdown pass in two games that he's played against the colts in his career um but he did put up a pair of 40 point games last season against Gus Bradley's defense. Remember, Gus Bradley last year was the Raiders' defensive coordinator. Now he's the Colts' D.C. Keep that in mind. Colts, meantime, shut out last week in Jacksonville. I mean, are they really going to outscore Kansas City? No Darius Leonard again. He's still not ready to play. Colts have scored 23 points in nine quarters of football this year. Remember, because the first one went to overtime. 23 points in nine quarters. 17 of the 23 points they scored all came in one quarter. That was the fourth of the opener. So think about that. The other eight quarters, they've scored six lousy stinking points this year. The O-line has been a disappointment, and I'm really surprised about Indianapolis. I thought they'd have a big year. I picked them to win the South. They still can, but they got to turn things around. But they got the wrong matchup, I think, coming up this week in Kansas City. Great one in the AFC East. 2-0 Buffalo, 2-0 Miami. Bills have been the best team in football through two weeks. I know that's not going to get you a trophy. Maybe that gives you like a little like medal or something. Best team through the first two weeks. But they have been that. Josh Allen in his career, 7-1 and against these Miami Dolphins. The three leading wide receivers in football 
are going to be in this game. When you talk about Tyreek Hill, Stephon Diggs, Jalen Waddell, a lot of points probably going to be going up and down on that scoreboard. No Micah Hyde, no Jordan Phillips from that Bills defense. And this is another test for the Dolphins. Tua has been unleashed so far the first couple of weeks of the season, engineering that huge fourth quarter comeback last week in Baltimore. Pass defense has been a little bit leaky. That's why they've had to kind of win some shootouts here, a la Dan Marino, like the one last week. And two is also looking for his first victory against these Buffalo Bills. He's 0-3 lifetime, but that's a good one in the AFC East. Vegas, 0-2. The Raiders, Titans, 0-2. Tennessee, two teams that made the playoffs last year, both looking for their first win, maybe both playing for their seasons desperation mode right now, I think, if you're Vegas. They're the more desperate team because of the division that they play in. AFC West, a lot more dangerous than the AFC South. That's why I still don't know if Tennessee is done, even if they lose this game. Raiders, remember, they blew that huge second-half lead to the Cardinals last week. The question I have about Tennessee is where's Derrick Henry been? When is this guy going to get back to being Derrick Henry? And judge with a base hit to left field, no home run, but he does get on base. Taylor Lewan's going to miss this game, one of their Pro Bowl tackles. You know, about time this defense gets going. How about Chandler Jones? Maybe teeing off on his old team. He has yet to find the opposing quarterback. Tannehill is 4-0 lifetime against the Raiders. They're going to need that and then some to see if they can get that first victory of the season against the Silver and the Black. 1-1 one one Ravens, 1-1 one one Patriots. Lamar Jackson was on the injury report this week because of an elbow issue. He was wearing a brace during practice. Don't know if it's going to be a big deal. I guess we'll find out during the game. But Baltimore should be 2-0. Bad loss they let squander at home against Miami last week. Injuries starting to pile up. New England was better last week against Pittsburgh, but I still have severe doubts about that offense. This will be their home opener. Patriots, I get this, Patriots have scored 24 points, which is the fewest that the Patriots have scored through the first two weeks of the season since 2001. That was before a guy named Brady became their quarterback. And, oh, by the way, speaking of, well, I'll get to that a little bit later on. Patriot defense needs to lead the charge if they are going to get back in the win column here because I just don't trust that offense. 2-0 Eagles, 1-1 Washington Commanders. Philly's offenses look great. A.J. Brown, Jalen Hurts, all those guys, they look like the real deal. Washington's got the worst rush defense in the NFL, and Carson Wentz hasn't been awful. I'm not a Carson Wentz guy, but he hasn't been awful yet here for Washington. Detroit off of a nice win last week. They're 1-1. One one. They go to Minnesota, who just did not get anything going against Philadelphia back on Monday night. Last three versus Minnesota have been decided by two points with the Lions and the Vikings. Each of those games. Expect another close one today. Detroit runs the football better than any team in the league. Amonris St. Brown is a weapon at the wide receiver position. Minnesota, meantime, after laying that egg in prime time, get um, Dalvin Cook going. That's the one thing that I'm missing right now when I look at this Vikings team. They've got to get Cook going. Let Dalvin Cook. That will help this offense take some pressure off of Kirk Cousins. 1-1 one one Saints visiting the 0-2 Carolina Panthers. Alvin Kamara maybe gets back on the field finally. Saints defense, I think, is going to cause fits regardless for Carolina. Matt Rule's on the hot seat. The offense has not been clicking. Baker Mayfield has not made a world of difference, certainly like they would have hoped. And I don't know. It seems like they're just spinning in place right now down in Carolina. Houston, 0-1-1, visiting the Bears, 1-1. Return of Lovey Smith to Chicago. You know they're going to run it. They're going to have the defense try to keep them in the game. Chicago has zero passing attack. 
absolutely zero threat offensively through the air. They've thrown the ball 28 times in the first two weeks of the season. Think about that for a second, guys. 28. This is the NFL in 2022. Those are like passing numbers from like 1947. 28 pass attempts through the first two games. Do the Bears trust Justin Fields or not? I said it all summer. They did not do anything to surround him with capable playmakers. That's why I was not giddy on Fields having a breakthrough season in year number two. Jacksonville visits the Chargers. Jaguars blanked the Colts last week. Maybe Trevor Lawrence's best game. Not ready for primetime yet. They might get a break because Justin Herbert, still iffy with that rib injury, suffered in that Thursday night game. And if you notice, the line in this one has moved from minus seven for the Chargers down to three and a half. Vegas must know something. Herbert's availability very much in question, so Austin Eckler could have a big day for the Bolts in that game. Rams 1-1, visiting the Cardinals 1-1. Rams nearly blew that game to the Falcons. Matthew Stafford's got five interceptions already. I don't know if he's still playing with his big, fat Super Bowl ring. Maybe that's affecting some of the throws that he's making. But Sean McVay is 10-1 all-time as a head coach against the Arizona Cardinals. Arizona's been awful in the first half of each of their first two games. They need to start a little bit faster if they want to have a comfortable victory. Packers going to Tampa Bay. 1-1, Pack 2-0, Tampa Bay. Pack weren't flashy on Sunday night against the Bears, but it's a win. They ran the ball well. Rodgers, you could still see, fighting through some things, adjusting to life with his brand-new receivers. Sammy Watkins won't play for the visitors in that one. Tampa's going to be without Mike Evans. He was suspended for the brouhaha against the Saints last week. Expect a slugfest, not a shootout. Just two offensive touchdowns so far for the Buccaneers. Think about that. Tom Brady's your quarterback. Two offensive touchdowns in two games for this football team. Atlanta's 0-2. They visit Seattle 1-1. Falcons almost rallied from a 28-3 deficit against the Rams. The rookie wideout Drake London from Southern Cal is off to a really, really nice start to the season. But Kyle Pitts has been quiet. Remember Kyle Pitts, the rookie tight end from a year ago? Guy was like a future Hall of Famer in the making. Get him involved. Where has he been this year? Falcons, even though they're 0-2, they've lost both games by a combined five points. They've done a nice job this season. Seattle, the bloom has kind of wilted off of Geno Smith. They haven't scored on offense in six consecutive quarters. They do nothing but dink and dunk the ball down the field. Sunday nighter, San Francisco 1-1, one one, visits Denver 1-1. One one. It is the Jimmy G show. They are better with Jimmy G. Defense has been playing lights out. George Kittle is supposed to be making his debut, season debut in this one for the Niners. That'll help the offense. What can you say about the Broncos? They're a mess offensively. Paul, or I say Paul Hackett. Nathan Hackett has been lost when it comes to the clock management. I don't know how that's going to play out for the Denver Broncos, but I'm certainly not confident. I am confident when we come back, Jordan Renan's going to be on. We'll talk some Giants. He covers them for us here at ESPN. Dan Gross' show, 98.7 ESPN. You're listening to the best of ESPN New York tonight. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to JetsPizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. Ten seconds on the clock. How many things can you name that are always growing? Your relationships. Your skills. 
your customer base. How about businesses on Shopify? <laughs> Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage, to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash network, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash network now to grow your business. No matter what stage you're in, shopify.com slash network. Giants will be in action on Monday. Welcoming in the Dallas Cowboys, looking to move to 3-0. and And one person will be taking it in, of course, is our pal who covers them for ESPN. It is Jordan Renan. Jordan, welcome to the show, buddy. How are you? Dan, I'm doing great, man. It's a beautiful Friday night. Oh, it's cold. It's fall. Fall is it's here. Football weather. It's football right, weather. Undefeated. Yeah. And they are undefeated. Yeah, it is. Um, two wins, total of four points, but it's two wins. And that's how this organization has to look at it, right? It's still progress. Absolutely. I mean, you're talking about the last five years this was the worst you know they were tied with the Jets for the worst record in the NFL for the last five years so these are the kind of games that they've lost the last few years right and uh the first two weeks they found a way to win them I mean uh even little things like Daniel Jones being able to make big plays remember week one fourth down uh they run the naked bootleg he gets the first down week two he ices the game with the you know the run at the end of the game that helps the Giants uh, not give the ball back to the Carolina Panthers. I mean, these are the kind of things that they couldn't do the last few years. So the fact that they are able to do that, uh, I think you have to look at it as a, taking a, a huge step in the right direction. And for Jones, turnover-free football game on Sunday, right? I mean, it wasn't a Picasso, but still, he protected the football, and that has been his Achilles heel his whole career. You look for little signs like this, so I take this as a plus when you're evaluating Daniel Jones and what he did in Week 2. Yeah, I mean, I didn't think he was great in week two. I thought, actually, he didn't play a great game. Uh, and sometimes, I mean, how different would we think about Daniel Jones' performance if Frankie Louvu catches that ball at the end of the first half where it should have been an interception? He threw a really bad pass late in the first half. It probably would have cost him, you know, three points. So, I, I don't know. I, that, I, I was more uh, – optimistic about his week one performance than week two and even even though he didn't turn the ball over in week two I thought he played significantly better in week one which is just goes to show you like that one break if you get that Mm -hmm. one break it changes the perception of everything you know it really does yeah and it's something that you're not going to see in the box score right because it's just going to go as an incomplete pass for example but it was significant in the sense of what it could have been potentially in maybe turning the tide of that yeah. football game. You're, you're, you're so right about that. Um, the Galladay chatter this week. He only played two snaps last week. Yeah. He voiced his frustration. Uh-huh. Brian Dayball said, you know what? I want to hear him be frustrated. That competitive spirit, that's what we want. Is everything hunky-dory behind the scenes with that situation, you think? I mean, Kenny Galladay's not happy with the situation, so I don't, I don't think it's great. I mean, if he doesn't play – he's likely going to, you know, ask to be released or traded. Uh, That's my gut feeling, especially after hearing him talk. I mean, we we flat out was asked, you know, uh, would you look to, you know, basically get out of the situation if, uh, you know, at this point, would you ask for a trade? Basically, he was asked. uh, And he did not say no. 
he said, you know, I just have to do what I can and yeah, and see and kind of see what happens here. So uh, I think, you know, it's just a tough situation because you can't trade him. He's not getting traded. He has no value on the open market. I mean, you're and the dead cap money is how much? Who got right? overpaid in the first place? What's yeah. that? The dead cap hit would be how much? Yeah, I mean, that's not even the point. At this, you know, it's that they basically have the money would from next year would come forward. You know what I mean? Like yep. this, he's still owed money for next year. That's guaranteed to him. Uh, so. The, the, it would cost them money basically to get rid of him, and so at this point they're kind of like, okay, we got to, we we're kind of stuck with him. I think the bigger point here is with the Giants that Brian Dable has come in and said and really made a, a point. I mean, Kadarius Tony barely played in Week One, mm-hmm. and now Kenny Galladay barely played in Week Two, and so when he and I, I spoke to Sterling Shepard about this and he told me and he said that most coaches, you know, they say these kind of things, but they're not about what they say. Then at the end of the day. The guy who makes eighteen million dollars is going to play. Well, Brian Dable has proven already now twice that he means business. What he says with this, like when he says everyone has to earn it, well, you really do have to earn it. The eighteen million dollar a year guy, the guy who led the league in touchdowns three years ago, is sitting on the bench. It's refreshing to see. That's what it is. We're talking with Jordan Renan of ESPN here, Giants Cowboys Monday night at MetLife Stadium. Um, I'm sure that they've spoken about, from an offensive standpoint, starting faster. I mean, two games so far this year, they've scored six points in the first half. Generally speaking, you're not going to keep racking up victories if you're that ineffective in the first two quarters of these football games. Yeah, I mean, look, they have to start faster. They really need to be able to sustain more consistent offense. I think that's a big part of it, right? This Giants team right now hasn't been able to sustain consistent offense in, in either of the two games. And quite frankly... They've won both the games because their defense has played really well. They've, they've scored 40 points in two games. They're averaging 20 points a game in the NFL, which it's pretty hard to win when you score 20, 20, 19, 20, 19 and 21 points in the two games. But they've able, been able to pull it off. I think for them, they're going to have to trust. Because if you, if you go look at the numbers, the, the splits are mm-hmm. drastic. The way they've been able to run the ball in the second half has been significantly better than what they've done in the first half. So I think there's going to be a heavy emphasis on that against this Dallas team because they can't just go back and pass against this Dallas team. They, this is not a great, you know, pass protection Giants offensive line. And this is a Dallas defense that's quick and fast and that can get after the passer with guys like Michael Parsons and Demarcus Lawrence. And it could be a, you know, a welcome to the NFL moment for Evan Neal, and you don't want that to play itself out on prime time. You know, the whole world watching on Monday yeah. Night Football, that's the least of the concerns I mean, he the played, played Bob Ryan Burns a whole bunch last week, and that guy's really darn good, too, He's by good. the way. He's he good, the old have, Florida he Stater. Big game. He was... Say that again? No, the old Florida Stater, Brian Burns. No, he's, he's a good player. Oh, yeah. He's a really good player. He's a top-end pass rusher in the NFL. And he was in the backfield a lot against the Giants. How about some of these injured guys? I mean, Ojolari, I guess, said he's playing this week. What's the status of Kayvon? And is Leonard Williams a go, or is he going to be shut down here for a couple of weeks? How do they look health-wise? I like the chances for Ojolari and Thibodeau. Remember, the Giants play on Monday night. So there's a practice tomorrow. Uh, that'll be a big practice for a bunch of these guys. But I think Ojolari and Thibodeau, I've seen running and doing actual real drills this week. 
Uh, and this is the kind of the first time we've seen that. So I think that's trending towards them returning. Leonard Williams, we haven't seen this week. Now, 99.9% of guys, I would say, Leonard Williams is not going to play. But I'm going to leave a little sliver of hope that Leonard Williams might magically be back by Monday. Only because you're talking about a guy who has never missed a game in his career because of injury, who hurt his shoulder, uh, elbow last year, late in the year, and it was thought that his season was probably going to be over. And you know how many games he missed? Zero. Zero. So I'm not going to count Leonard Williams out until they officially rule him out. But it's not looking good for him. And Wandale Robinson's also likely another week for the Giants as well. You're 2-0, won a couple of close games, and we've talked about this, you and I, the last couple of weeks. The schedule looks favorable. You got a Cooper Rush-led Cowboys team coming in on Monday night, but it is a rivalry game. You throw the records out the window, all those things. Despite the fact that they've been far from perfect, do you still garner a little bit more belief that something could happen here the first, let's say, half of the season with this football team? Yeah, well, I I put out a video today on YouTube and Twitter like about the first 10 quarterbacks the Giants face. It's, good. it's Tannehill, uh, Baker, right? And then you got we got Cooper Rush and Justin Fields next. Then there's the two games against the MVP guys, Aaron Rodgers and Lamar Jackson. But even after that, you're talking about uh, Trevor Lawrence, Geno Smith, uh, Davis, Davis Mills, Mills, and Jared Goff. I mean, does that scare you? No. I mean, some of those teams, maybe like Detroit, like their offense is good, but those are not, they're not playing all these high-end quarterbacks. It gives, and this is a quarterback league. So it gives you an opportunity to win games when you're playing teams that don't have great quarterbacks. And that's really what the Giants have. That takes you, Dan, that takes, us, you, takes you up until Thanksgiving, what I just said. It's incredible. Said. So you basically face two upper echelon quarterbacks until Thanksgiving. And I'm curious to see with this week, at least, you know, you had Jerry being Jerry and he's sitting there saying, I want a quarterback controversy. I want Cooper <laughs> Rush to pull a Tony Romo once upon a time, you know, and have like a Tony Romo, Dak Prescott thing from whatever year that was. And it's just like Mike yeah, McCarthy's yeah. probably saying, Hey, I like this job, but you know what? It really just wears the heck out of me. It really does. <laughs> <laughs> there is no team. And like you, when you talk to people who cover the Cowboys and, or if you're even when you're at the game, there is no team like the Dallas Cowboys. Jerry Jones, who's the owner, right, talks after every game and holds court, and he's basically giving his opinion, no hold barred on everything. And he talks he before the, the coach talks after the, the game. Yeah, what? There's a person from like the media outlets in that in Dallas that is basically their job after every game is you have to go monitor go to Jerry Jones like don't worry about the head coach just go to the owner because he's the owner what he says goes right I mean he's even a he's even a level above the head coach and then he talks during the week too and gives an opinions on pretty much everything so man that job is something else in Dallas with him him running the show and you know he doesn't have to consult with PR first he just says whatever he wants because they can't tell him to right say because anything who's anyway. going to tell him what to do he can That's do whatever true. he wants he signs their Who's checks. Who's going to yell at him? He signs their checks. That's even, a beautiful even what, world. His, his, even his son is going to yell at him. When you <laughs> when you have a son, and you, you you know he's always your son, and he comes and yells at you, you'd be like, "Don't yell at me." Yeah, I'm the one who bought this team. I'm the I'm the one who got us here. Get out of here. 
I'm the one who gave you life. I'm the one who gave you a job. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Jordan, enjoy the game, my friend. It should be a fun one on Monday. Cowboys if my name wasn't Jerry. That's true. That's a good point. That's a great point. And uh, it's, it'll be nice to see those throwback icy whites on Monday, too. I always get a kick out of those. Yeah, white out at the at uh, MetLife Stadium. I, I almost called it the Giant Stadium. Wow. Uh, yeah, so that should be a cool atmosphere. Uh, you know what's interesting, though? This isn't like college, right, because, like, Penn State has the white out. Sure. Everyone in the stadium is obviously, like, 99.9% rooting for Penn State. I'm interesting, interested what a professional stadium whiteout looks like because there are Cowboys fans in that building, and there's going to be a chunk of them, right? There's going to be a lot of them. find their way in the building, Subhub and, you know, Ticketmaster these days. Like, you visiting fans, and Cowboy fans are everywhere anyway. I'm inter- interested to see it. It'll be pretty easy to spot Cowboy fans, I guess, huh? That's what I'm saying. The ones that aren't wearing white, you know that those are the visitors. That's the enemy territory yeah. right there. <laughs> Enjoy it, though, Jordan. It will be, no, it's going to be a good one, and uh, always appreciate a couple of minutes, my friend. We'll talk soon. Yeah, it should be exciting. Speak, speak soon, Dan. Have- All right, take care. You'll be good, bud. Jordan Renan covers the Giants for ESPN. Let's take a quick timeout. Our last timeout will come back. NFL Picks, Week 3, Dan Gross's show, 98.7 ESPN. You're listening to the best of ESPN New York tonight. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Yes, indeed. Dan Gross' show, 98.7 ESPN. One thing left to do on this Football Friday, and that is our week three NFL picks. We will start in the NFC South. Saints. Panthers. You're talking about a New Orleans team right now, which kind of got beat up last week by the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. They took a loss to their rivals, right? Carolina, meantime, has not figured anything out yet offensively under Baker Mayfield. The hot seat, that's exactly what it is for Matt Rule in Carolina, and I think it's going to continue. Even though Jameis isn't 100%, Saints are a much more talented team than the Panthers are. They're a better football team. And give me New Orleans minus three to win over Carolina. This one could be a two-score affair. Give me the visitors in that one. Let's go up to Foxborough, home opener for the Patriots, right? Baltimore off a tough defeat against Miami. They are 1-1. One one. New England off their first win. They are 1-1. One one. We told you earlier, I don't trust the Patriot offense at all. They have looked anemic despite the fact they won a game. Baltimore, they have done their thing offensively. It was the defense that led up in that fourth quarter against the Miami Dolphins. Yes, New England's got a good defense, but the offense is putrid. Lamar Jackson over Mac Jones any day of the week. Give me Baltimore on the road, minus three. They're going to win this one to get to two and one and drop the Pats to one and two. Let's go to the four o'clock game. San Francisco, or excuse me, that's a night game. San Francisco visiting Denver Sunday night football. Jimmy G's first start of the season. 
Nathaniel Hackett, Russell Wilson, they're still trying to figure out clock management, how to sustain anything offensively, and I think it's going to continue on Sunday night. The Niners are a better team with Jimmy G. The guys in that locker room, the guys in that huddle, they want him to be their quarterback, and they're going to get a victory behind them. Minus one and a half, 49ers beat the Broncos on Sunday night. Four o'clock action. Let's go to Seattle. Atlanta looking for their first win. They're going to visit Geno Smith and the Seahawks. We told you, Falcons are showing some heart. They almost rallied from 28-3 down against the Rams. Almost pulled it off. They've lost two games by a total of five points. They've played a lot better than I thought they were going to this year. Seahawks, on the other hand, they're not any good, despite the fact they won the first game. Offense hasn't scored in six quarters. I think it's going to continue this week. Give me the Falcons, a road dog, plus two. I don't care where the game is played. Atlanta gets their first win. They win it outright, plus two. Fifth and final game. We're going to MetLife Stadium, everybody. That's right. Not on Monday night. We're going on Sunday. Bengals, Jets. Bengals trying to avoid becoming the first Super Bowl participant in 20 years to begin the next season 0-3. Jets trying to get over 500 for the first time since 2018, trying to capitalize off of that miraculous victory against the Cleveland Browns. They know they have to be better. Joe Flacco knows this could be, for all intents and purposes, his last start of the season with Zach Wilson nearing a return. They're going to take advantage of this opportunity. The pass rush is going to get into high gear and tee off on a Bengals line, which has been anemic this year. It's been Swiss cheese. They're going to get to Joe Burrow. Bengals will score some points. I just think the Jets are going to score more. You're giving me four and a half. I'll take that. This could be at the very least a field goal game as far as the Jets are concerned. Give me the four and a half points. Jets are going to keep this one close on Sunday over the Bengals. So Jets plus four and a half, New Orleans minus three, Baltimore minus three, San Francisco minus one and a half, and Atlanta plus two. Those are the Grasso Week 3 selections here on our Football Friday. This is the Dan Grasso Show on 98.7 ESPN. <laughs>